Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. better part of the next three hours i am your voice this is anthony heron on chicago sports radio 670 the score coming to you live from the score hyundai studios broadcasting live brought to you by your local hyundai dealers tech zone brought to you by rosen hyundai of algonquin save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com guest line Guess who join us on the score hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And of course, the listener line It's powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Got a lot to get into. I'm taking you all the way up to Bulls basketball here. The top team, the number one team in the Eastern Conference takes the court tonight facing Oddly enough, the number two team in the Eastern Conference, the all-star lineup, as of right now, expected to likely be intact for the Brooklyn Nets as they face your Chicago Bulls. You'll be able to hear that game right here on the score. Bulls pregame will begin at 845 and a later tip for this national window on television that will be taking place. So you'll be able to watch the game on ESPN if you so choose to do that. I, myself, will be listening to the game right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington will be on the call. And the the game, the implications of it, I mean, you know, how far-reaching will the results be? What does it mean in the end? Right now, Bulls 2-0 against the Nets. You can lock things up from a tiebreaker perspective, getting this dub tonight. And frankly, just because this will be the closest the Nets have been to full strength anytime the Bulls have faced them this season, I think just the implications of the Bulls not being at full strength right now, and if you get that that three-headed monster from Brooklyn you know, coming in here to Chicago, and if the Bulls are able to get another win, one of the wins up to this point was more hard fought. The other one, basically a blowout that Chicago had against Brooklyn. So, I mean, this is one of those games that will – there will be further barometers as the season moves forward, but certainly a nice measuring stick as Brooklyn has gotten Kyrie Irving back into the lineup here lately – and so it's a way to see now that Brooklyn is trying to put the throttle down a little bit more and, you know, try to get their lineup right. Then the Bulls facing them in this version, in this fashion, is something that can certainly be looked at very closely. We know how well things have been going there at the UC, one of the top home teams in the NBA. So I expect even a, on a later tip, because of the national window, I do expect that folks would be out, out there showing up, showing out making sure that their voices are heard for this big game. So you'll be able to hear all that right here on the score later on this evening. We've got a great lineup of guests, as we always do. Chris Emma's actually going to join me in just a few short minutes here. We're going to talk some Bears here throughout much of the first hour. Chris Emma will be with me to talk about you know his, his perspective. He was there on the call with George McCaskey and Ted Phillips uh, that the Bears had the other day, just uh, relaying all the information about Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace being relieved of their duties and the direction of the franchise moving forward. Some would argue the lack thereof (laughs) moving forward. But we do see the interview process is beginning to churn here. The Bears even reporting some of that that's going on as far as who they've been having discussions with, who they've been interviewing with. And, of course, you see media all around the country, both locally and nationally, 
reporting some of the folks who the Bears are planning to interview as well. So we'll be able to talk to Chris M about that. And the, the national perspective on things, actually, is a guy named Jordan Dejani who wrote a, a really interesting piece for CBS Sports that I was checking out, just sort of ranking each organization, each one of these open job opportunities, and and how to sort of assess which ones are most appealing because that's been part of what the discussion has been here over the last couple of days, you know, since since both Pace and Nagy have been let go by the Bears, the discussion has sort of shifted to, okay, not only are the Bears looking for candidates, but because, as tends to be the case, there are so many available jobs in the NFL, both for coaches and for general managers. How appealing are the Bears? How do the Bears stack up against other teams around the National Football League as far as who may want to come here. How appealing is this opportunity? And the the perception is that it should be a really appealing opportunity, not only for where things sit right now, but for sort of the broader scope of what could be to come between Arlington Heights and development of Justin Fields, things of that ilk. So I'm looking forward to that discussion with Jordan Dejani as well. And we did have the announcement today by John Lester of his retirement. Looking forward to a baseball discussion we'll have. And, of course, the discussion is beginning right now between – MLB, the MLB, MLB Players Association, get a sense uh, from our guy Bruce Levine just on where where he anticipates those initial discussions to go in the lockout, what's to come, how would the offseason still end up shaping out, and certainly his perspective on John Lester and just what one of the greats meant to the Cubs organization, his Hall of Fame candidacy, all those things we'll be able to get into there. And, of course, in leading into the game itself tonight here on The Score, the man on the call, alongside Chuck Swirsky will be Bill Winnington. We'll be able to talk to Bill later on in the show, and we will also open up the phone lines at various points here too. And uh, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll put out the number when that's happening, but you all know how to reach us here on the score, both via the text zone and on the phone line. So for now, you can just shoot a text. Uh, the text zone uh, is always available to you at 312 I already told you this brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin, but 312 One thing that you can actually – Help me with it. And Brian Callahan, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this also because for me, this is kind of – this is basically my off season. Like, you know, certainly would have been nice if, if we got a little bit more Bears football. They would have found a way to, to sort of squeak into the playoffs yet again like they've done the last couple of seasons here. Then could have had a little more Bears coverage going. So, I mean, I'm not – I'm not exactly unemployed at this point. It's kind of one of the running jokes here at the station, all the different gigs I have. So I'll, I'll continue in, in my capacity here. Frankly, I have more time to even do more work here at the score. So you'll be able to, to hear me on here plenty. I got my Sirius XM show in the mornings. I do on Big Ten radio. But I don't have to wear makeup for a while. I guess that's basically sort of one end of it. There's not as much TV work that'll be necessary for me this time of year now that the at least the football season from a collegiate perspective is all done. The NFL regular season is over, and thus means since the Bears struggled this year, I won't have any Bears coverage to do on on TV either. So basically my weekends are free. Like I haven't had – I forgot to look at my calendar. I haven't had a free weekend since, like where I wasn't traveling or covering games here locally or in Big Ten country or Bears games. When was the the Bears' first preseason game was? Way back – August 14th. Way back a long time ago. Yeah, August 14th was the Bears' first preseason game. So I guess that August 6th and 7th weekend was the last free weekend that I had. So it's been a minute, and I actually even went up to 
to Hallis Hall that weekend. But there, there wasn't a game being played yet. So let's say effectively since July, I haven't had a free weekend. So I'm trying to figure out what I, what I want to start doing, how, how I'm going to spend my upcoming weekends here. I don't know if this is if it's too late to like set some kind of New Year's resolution for something productive I'm going to do on the weekends or what. But like obviously for you, Brian, if the Bears were playing, you'd be sitting there checking out some Bears playoff action. But I don't know. What are you going to do this weekend? Maybe you'll spark some kind of idea for me before I can spend my free time. Well, uh, if you want to come into the station and help me run some of these uh, football games, uh, that'd be great. Mm. Some of the wild card games. Uh, yeah. No, no. Um, yeah. Well, you, you have a, a four-year-old? Is that correct? I do. So, I do so, have a four-year-old. So yeah. more time with the, you know, with the the young one. Mm-hmm. That's an idea. Could certainly do that. He, he doesn't get to see me a whole lot during the football season. And if there's snow this weekend, then I definitely know he's going to be looking to grab the tube. Uh, you know, me and the wife spent some time, more so the wife than me, but getting the the tube inflated for him last week. And my wife took him out for some sledding here locally where'd they go probably somewhere in grand park or maybe it was out by soldier field actually i think they went they got this giant hill out near soldier field somewhere that they went to and it wasn't necessarily completely covered in snow not like it ended up being last year i posted a few pictures of the the giant soldier field hill on my twitter last year and we kept going out there so it wasn't quite like that yet apparently but they did get a little bit of sledding and it's apparently really fast track when they went out there last week so yeah. I haven't checked the weather report for this weekend. Yeah, I don't know what the snow's looking like, but if we're gonna get some snow, then that'll definitely be something that'll probably be on the on the to do list to get out there to the giant hill and do some sledding. What else? Like, I don't know. Are you a resolution guy? You got a, you got anything uh, that you kind of put on your on your radar January every year that you're going to give up on by the time we hit February? <laughs> I mean, there's you know, there's always that, and I I used to be I used to run you know two, three miles every day. And then, really? you know, I kind of got lazy Why? about that. Oh, I'm a masochist. But uh, um, yeah, so I, that's something that I am trying to get better about this year. But like true road work? Are you a treadmill guy? No, what? no. I go out and I go run on the sidewalks and, and stuff like that or, or run you around run in high school? Or this no, is just no. Trying something to make proper that, life choices? that came later. I, I actually, I, I used to be like, 40 or 50 pounds heavier and then running kind of did become part of the routine and now i've kind of okay. noticed some of those those love handles are, are coming back they're sneaking up so i'm uh <laughs> I, I it's that's it's the sign to to get back out uh, there uh get some new running shoes maybe that's the motivation well the holidays will do that to you also mm-hmm. you know these these things just tend to happen on occasion around this portion of the year it's a little bit a little bit more painful to get outside once the calendar starts to turn into december and january you got to bundle all up then when you bundle it all up, hard to run. It can be more difficult to get that road work in. So actually, maybe maybe that's one thing I'll do. Maybe I'll get a, a health club membership or something like that. Maybe we'll start start exercising. We, we've got a spot in our building here, but there's not like mask mandates and vaccination mandates and that sort of thing. So haven't necessarily used the spot uh, in the place we live at. But I know some of the health clubs in the, the area we live in the city have some of that. So maybe that'll be something. I'll, I'll try to be productive with the free time. What I have started doing, though, and it showed my age a little bit because uh, my son, we've started walking up and down the stairs in our building, which, you know, we got quite a few flights of stairs in the building we live in. The staircase is uh, is warm enough and we kind of still bundle up a little bit like it's going to be outside. I'll walk up 
and down the stairs and do kind of, you know, a couple dozen flights of stairs. And, you know, I don't run, especially one, because I bring my son with me. And he's four and he couldn't keep up with two because my knees are awful. So doing stairs like anybody out there, I'm sure some of you out there listening right now, if you were athletes back in the day, if you still are, you used to do stadium stairs. Maybe some of you still do. It's horrible for your knees, just like Brian out there pounding the pavement running. It's terrible for all your joints. So I'm not running up and down stairs at this point, but I do at least, you know, I've started to try to get back into that here over the last week or so as the schedule has begun to lighten up. You know, I just get get some good kind of vigorous stair walking in, work up a little bit of a sweat doing that, kind of just working my way back into some things. Cause my, you know, the suits can cover up a lot, but the, the body, especially the midsection, is starting to get a lot softer than, than I want it to be. So I you know, think whether they say the camera adds 10 pounds or whatever, I don't know how many pounds a suit can hide, but there's definitely some extra poundage here that's being hidden when I'm on camera by the fact that I'm wearing suits usually. And I got a couple of layers between my skin and you mentioned love handles. I definitely got some of those that are developing here. So I'm going to have to do something about that. I spend way too much time on camera to be starting to look soft and pudgy. So we'll, I don't know. Anybody wants to shoot some ideas how I spend some of this extra free time. Working out will certainly take up part of that, but always interested in some of the thoughts that folks have out there. 312-644-6767 is the text zone. Text me some thoughts. And out. we got a few interviews. We ended up a little bit more guest heavy than I would normally plan over the course of about three hours. But the good thing is they are all sensational guests. I ran, ran down the, the lineup for you just a few minutes ago. So we'll take our first time out, come back, and get into some Bears discussion with the scores. Very own Chris Emmett. That's next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Uh, we did talk about what was the best path forward. Um, I don't think there's anything magical about a so-called football czar. At some point, the football person, whether it's the general manager or an executive vice president or a president of football operations, at some point, that person has to report to ownership. Um, And we think with the modification that we've made, we've got a structure for the Bears going forward. George McCaskey said he don't need no stinking czar. You know what? Just get it right, man. Just pick the right people. I'll have a little time later in the show to kind of share some of my thoughts on some of the uh, the consternation and, and conjecture that's out there. Um, maybe in the final hour as we lead into Bulls coverage, I'll get into a little bit of that. But there'll be all the NFL coverage available to you this weekend here on The Score. Sunday's games will be locked and loaded. Saturday's game is going to be all kinds of fun, too. Uh, so at 3.30 here at Central Time, of course, I have the Raiders and the Bengals. The game later on that night, the Patriots and Bills will be on our sister station because Bulls coverage will be here on the score Saturday night. Uh, so the Patriots and Bills, you'll check out on WBBM. And then Sunday, Eagles-Buccaneers score. 49ers-Cowboys on the score. Steelers-Chiefs right here, 670 scores. So make sure you check all that out this weekend. Chris Emma joins me now in the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline, world of the home of the world's largest sports book, to not only discuss the Bears, but I'm very curious, Mr. Emma, as you can find Chris on Twitter at CEmma670. First off, I need you to help me out before we get into this Bears stuff because now the football season, at least for me and my calendar, is officially over. It has come to a close I'm having a little bit more free time, man. Like, so you don't have a Bears game to cover this weekend. Are you just going to be in front of the television, kind of taking this all in? Are you going to spend your free time in a different way? You know, Anthony, I'm glad you asked. I actually am looking forward to Friday night. Zach Miller, a former Bear, is playing at Joe's on Weed Street. Uh, I love Zach Miller, one of my favorite players I've covered. I got to know well at Hallis Hall, and I love country music. Uh, His music is truly great. I've told him this. It's not just – 
you know, just not just uh, being happy for him, but his music is really good. So he's playing there with Eli Young Band. Uh, I try to unwind a little bit, try to uh, get into some kind of off-season mode. So I'm excited for that one. Does that mean you're going to, like, grow your hair out? Is this going to be like a shoulder-length Chris Emma look we're going to see rolling around then, a little, a little less clean cut? You know, I, I grow this kind of disgusting beard in January and February. We'll see if it comes out or not. It's a little bit of that Ben Roethlisberger-type beard. But. All right, I feel you. We're looking forward to that, man. Enjoy yourself on Friday night. Yeah, I've heard a little bit of Zach Miller's music. He he does have. He's got some pipes to him, so enjoy yourself out there checking him out on Friday. Maybe that's an idea. Maybe that's something I'm making a point to go out and do. Uh, with my free time, I'll keep asking some folks and get some ideas there. Folks can text me at the text zone. Also, let me know what I should do with myself now that the football season's come to a close. But uh, the, the official close of the football season for the Bears was the official opening of multiple jobs, the two biggest football jobs in their organization, the head coach and the general manager. Just uh, first off, sort of big picture perspective-wise, what were, what were some of your main takeaways from, from what you heard from George McCaskey the other day? Oh, there was a lot in that hour, man. There was a lot. Um, I mean, clearly he didn't inspire any confidence, right? And George McCaskey has proven himself he's not a strong communicator. He's not done well in that role. Um, that said, I really like the names that they've compiled on this list. And ultimately, it's not about the names as much as the process they go through in identifying the right coach because they've brought in some great coaches and GM candidates in the past to Hallis Hall, interviewed them, and made the wrong decisions. Uh, I'm willing to give this one a chance. I like some of the names that they've developed. Uh, Bill Pullian, look, I know that one's kind of drawn uh, skepticism because it's similar to the Ernie Course year out of 2015. But look, the alternative is George and Ted doing this on their own. I really like the fact that Bill Pullian is a part of this. I know what his age is. I know he's been out of the league for a decade, but he knows people in the league, and he knows smart people. Like, my fear was that it was going to turn into him having the Bears interview some of his buddies. It still very well could, I guess, but I like the names. I like some of the ideas that they're bringing into the table. So I'm willing to give this a chance. But like I said, it ultimately comes down to the process they use. And I, I completely agree with that, man, because and I, yeah, I, I don't recall 100% certain like what your thought was, even if we go back just through the, the last couple of hires here. But I'm, I'm completely willing to admit I love the Matt Nagy hire. And I expected that to go better. And to some extent, it certainly did early on. It just, it didn't progress. It regressed essentially every year Matt Nagy was here. I didn't have a problem with the John Fox hire. He had taken two prior teams to Super Bowls and it was coming off of the, the Tressman disaster. Well, what turned into a second year disaster from Tressman after the first year it seemed promising. It just seems to me, and I tweeted this out uh, earlier in the week, that the coaches who've been coming here lately have regressed, but I don't necessarily think that they've been like hiring the wrong resumes for where the program has been at. Just how do you, how do you assess what the process for the bears have been up to this point and whatever tweaks really make sense for them to try to get better results this time around? Yeah. Yeah. The John Fox once seemed to make sense in 2015 until you realized just how bad this roster was and more so what the direction was that Ryan Pace was going to choose. Like John Fox wasn't the coach to oversee a rebuild and develop this roster. Like that would have been Matt Nagy, like Matt Nagy. I, I know he wasn't ready at that time, but yeah, somebody like that, who's a player's coach and somebody really truly embraces developing players like that, he would have been great in 2015. And then maybe John Fox is your coach in 2018, where uh, the best thing that John Fox was able to do during his time of the Bears, uh, whether that was 15 or, or coming in, if he were to come in, let's say, as a fresh coach in 18, swap out those two timelines, 
he brings in great assistants and great people around him. So um, it didn't work out for Fox because he wasn't ready to develop a young, struggling roster and and oversee the rebuild that Ryan Pace wanted to do. Uh, And then with Ned Nagy, look, I'm with you. I really like the resume as well. There was a lot to be impressed with. Ultimately, the problem, and I don't know if you can really seek this out in the interviews without careful uh, consideration, but he got too stuck with that offense in his way. Mm. He wasn't the adaptable young coach he wanted him to be. Even coming in at the age of 39 to Hallis Hall, there was a lot of hope that he was going to bring that Andy Reid offense, and unfortunately, he got too stuck on the concept of that to really build around what he had at the table. Chris Emma of 670 The Score here with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. As many of you know, he is on Twitter at CEmma670. And I think the point you're making there is so key for the Bears, for their brass, for George McCaskey and and Ted Phillips and whomever else is going to continue to sort of be a part of just the oversight of the the coach that's coming in to make sure the general manager is is more effectively tasked uh, with, with overseeing how the coach is actually developing the roster, how the game plan is perhaps being structured to suit the talent in place. And that continued to be a failure of Matt Nagy's in his time here, where even from year one, the division title year, the offense still wasn't structured around what they had back then. Just every, everything around the offense just performed at historic levels. So I'm wondering, how, how do the Bears, and are you getting the sense in this interview process yet from what you're hearing, that, that maybe they will have, I think, more, more effective oversight of making sure that, that someone is in place to course correct if for some reason the head football coach, the play callers, coordinators – aren't necessarily managing things on a week in, week out on a basis that seems most suitable to their roster? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And it's tough to really identify within these processes. Like, I don't think any of us, myself included, I mean, covered all four years of Matt Nagy and the years with Fox before that. It was really hard to see that he was going to be so stuck and stubborn with his offense and be unwilling to adapt uh, because, you know, he took Mitch over in his second year and the offense, like you mentioned, it, it was productive at times and then it really sputtered out. The numbers weren't great collectively. I think the thing they have to prioritize is diversity in terms of resume and scheme. Mm. And I'm going to give you the candidate, the candidate that I think would be best for the Bears. I might be spoiling one of your later questions here, but an example of this is Brian Dable. And you look at his background. Uh, he's been at a number of stops with several different offenses. It's not like what you had with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, who came up with one organization, or I guess two in the case of Nagy, but one coach, you know, like Ryan Pace only knew the Saints. He knew everything the Saints did, and that's where you get a bias uh, in 2017 of, I want to draft the next Drew Brees. He wasn't open-minded enough to what maybe Patrick Mahomes could become. Uh, Matt Nagy, he came up with Andy Reid in the same system, and he wanted to replicate every bit of that. So if I'm the Bears, I, I really respect the way that he said, we're not going to put any bias in this in terms of, of different backgrounds or, you know, prioritizing offense versus defense, young versus old. And you look at the names that are interviewing, it's proof of that they mean that they're looking at not one particular background or priority, but the one thing I would rule out is somebody who's been within this one organization. I think they really, after learning from their mistakes here, need to look at deep backgrounds from multiple different organizations and philosophies. Chris Emma with me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score of the interview process up to this point. Doug Peterson, an unsurprising name because he's the available name that has won a Super Bowl. And he's a guy who's certainly young enough where there's no no doubt that Doug Peterson will, will continue in the coaching community somewhere. 
How realistic do you think? I mean, uh, you know, Doug Peterson out of the Andy Reid tree, and even at the moment, Eric Bieniemy still working under Andy Reid at the moment. Do you get the sense? Because it it does seem to me with the last few hires, really the, the hires since George McCaskey's been running the let's call it the day to day operations for the Bears, that every coach has been in some ways sort of diametrically opposed to the previous coach. Go from old to young, from offense yep. to defense, mm-hmm. you name it. And right now, coming out of Matt Nagy, out of the Andy Reid tree, I'm not sure. Do, do you think the Bears would be averse to Peterson, the enemy, because they're so closely tied with Reid? You know, actually, I got a text from uh, your old colleague yesterday, Shea Pepper, who said, well, you know, Doug, Reed, Doug Peterson's got to be the guy. And I said, I think it'd be great, but I don't think the Bears will do it because he comes <laughs> from the same exact background. And sure enough, I think that was the second interview they set up. I, obviously, he's not with an organization, so easier to jump through those hoops, but – uh, I'm surprised. I'm really uh, pleasantly surprised that they're looking at Doug Peterson. This is what I was talking about before about the diversity within those backgrounds and not, um, I, I thought they'd be biased against something like Doug Peterson. I like the fact at the very least you're bringing somebody who's got a Super Bowl ring on his finger to the table and saying, what can be, make us successful? What made you successful? You're learning. Like that's what you want to do with these interview processes. And you know, the other interviews that you do with these other candidates where that you don't hire they're not a waste. You're supposed to be getting something out of these and bettering yourself as an organization or really bettering your search and making it more thorough. Uh, that's what the Bears can do with Doug Peterson here. I think he'd be a terrific hire. I think he'll probably land somewhere else, though. And I think the thing Doug Peterson probably wants is that fresh start where he can control who his quarterback is. Uh, maybe he's a big believer in Justin Fields, but I think he's probably more enticed by the chance of starting fresh and drafting his own guys. So, uh, he's going to have a lot of offers and opportunities here. Chris Emma with me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, my, my next guest, from uh, writer from CBS Sports, Jordan Dejani, he, he's got a list of what he thinks are the most enticing jobs and sort of ranks the available NFL jobs right now. He frankly doesn't have the Bears in the top couple of spots there, which surprises me, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about that in a few minutes. I wonder, how would you regard, how, how well regarded do you think the Bears job is and how different is the way it regarded from how, how well regarded you think it should be? Well, you know, the, the two things that come to mind if you're a coach and being contacted by the Bears, or any team really, it's one, what's management and ownership like, and true, what, what do you have at quarterback? And I think the Bears are in a really good spot with both of those. And I know the McCaskies come under fire in Chicago and this and that. I said it myself, he was still inspiring in those comments on Monday, but he's a really good guy that's going to attract people to this job. People want to work for George McCaskey, uh, be a part of you know that family organization. There's major upside and appeal to that. Uh, George McCaskey has been known to be patient and loyal with some of his people in charge. That's attractive. He's not somebody who gets reactionary or says, you know, you're gone at this point or you got to meet this standard. Uh, head coaches and GMs want to work for somebody like George McCaskey. So that's going to be appealing. Uh, they're not looked at as some dysfunctional organization. Like there's really big upside with that. And then the quarterback position, as I mentioned before, Justin Fields has a lot of promise. And we all know that. You can see it. I know the numbers and, and this rookie season wasn't spectacular by any means, but you can see the flashes. And more so, if you're a head coach, if you're a quarterback whisperer, believe you can get through to any quarterback, you see the upside of, okay, this is what I can do for Justin Fields that the previous regime wasn't able to do. I think most of these offensive-minded coaches the Bears are going to interview are going to feel really confident that they can reveal of Justin Fields what Matt Nagy couldn't do. 
Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but these coaches are stubborn people, and they are very confident people who know what they can do to get through. They're all going to believe in what Justin Fields can be. Maybe there's one or two who just says, you know, I'm not sure if I'm feeling that, or I'd rather go coach Trevor Lawrence or somebody else. But I think Justin Fields is going to have a lot of upside. So combine those two factors, I think the Bears will really be an exciting job for these guys. Yeah, I really think they're, you know, I've been hearing the word dysfunctional thrown around quite a bit the last couple of days. And I just, I, I don't, I don't see that. You know, I, I see, I see a lack, I see unsuccessful. There's no doubt about that. Unsuccessful. I, yeah, dysfunctional. I do feel like that's, that's probably a bridge too far. I, I agree with you on that, Chris. Well, there will be plenty for us to continue discussing, and I know you will continue covering here for the score. So make sure everybody out there follow CMA670 for the latest updates on the Bears interview processes. As soon as they're hiring folks, whatever he's hearing, Chris will be posting it on 670thescore.com and on his Twitter account. Appreciate your time, Chris. Take care. All right, that is Chris Emma, our guy here covering the Bears for the score. Going to take a quick timeout, come back, get more of a national perspective on where not only the Bears job is perceived, but just get a thought at what the competition's up to as a whole, as there is every offseason, a whole lot of jobs available right now around the National Football League. We will discuss that with a writer from CBS Sports next here on The Score. Decisions we're making today are especially difficult because Ryan and Matt are outstanding men. They have high character. Have always represented the Bears with dignity and class. They gave everything they had to the Bears, and we appreciate those efforts. In a discipline dominated by outsized personalities and egos, they are remarkably down to earth and free of ego, always putting team before themselves. Chicago Bears Chairman George McCaskey, waxing poetic about. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And as I tweeted out, whatever it was yesterday, day before, I, mean, I really enjoyed the interactions I had with Matt Nagy. Also thought he was a really nice guy. And obviously, George McCaskey knows him much better than I, although most of us in the Chicago media do. But when it comes down to it, the results were not there for either individual, as I spoke about in detail over the last couple of seasons here. So Bears made their decision on Monday, and a whole lot of squads around the National Football League have made similar decisions for their head coach, for their general manager. So jobs are open. Some are wide open. Perusing around online, and I ended up reading a piece on CBS Sports written by our next guest here, who joins us on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. That is Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports, and you can find Jordan on Twitter right there at Jordan DeJani. Jordan, appreciate your time, man. This is Anthony Heron. How you doing tonight? Anthony, my man, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on this evening. Yeah, I really appreciate you making the time to join me. The uh, the jobs, and you know, I've been talking a lot from the, the local perspective tonight, but love the piece you wrote, just kind of, you know, literally ranking some of these jobs, all the jobs that are available right now around the National Football League and how you sort of compare and contrast which ones are most enticing, most available? And a lot of us here in Chicago think, oh, hands down. I mean, you know, how could the Bears not be the best job out there? You got the Bears number four on the list. So I don't want to start with the Bears. I am very curious. You, you rank the Las Vegas Raiders opening as the, the best one, as the most enticing one. So let's start there. What, what makes the Raiders such an enticing job opportunity? Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. This was kind of an interesting project I did for CBS Sports. You know, I'm putting myself in the shoes of 
the hypothetical hottest commodity on the head coaching market. And I, I did rank the Raiders at number one. And it may not be fair to even call this a head coach opening. I mean, what if Rich Bisaccia shows up Saturday and upsets uh, the Cincinnati Bengals? He could lock mm -hmm. that job up. But just in case he doesn't, I mean, what really makes the Raiders number one um, in my mind is just the opportunity to be the face of the NFL in Vegas, right? The NFL in Vegas is still very young. They got a shiny new station, one of, or a stadium, one of um, one of the most entertaining cities in America, right? Sin City, and you have the possibility, the potential to be the leader of that. I think that's incredibly enticing. And you know, just to go on that as well, this team, the way they fought down the end of the stretch in the regular season to secure a playoff bid. I mean, they got some pieces on offense, some pieces on defense. You have to be impressed just with how this franchise battled with so much adversity they had to overcome throughout the stages of the regular season. You have to be impressed with this organization, at least from the roster perspective. So the Raiders at number one, Sin City definitely played a large part in my rankings. And you, you reference Rich Basaccia, and if, if for some reason he's not the one you know named it right now, if the interim tag isn't removed and someone else comes in to coach that team moving forward, you do have kind of the lingering Derek Carr quarterback question. And it feels like the discussion around what does the team have available behind center is such a large part of it. Do you think that you know if someone isn't necessarily all in on Derek Carr, does that does that negate some of the some of the luster of, of what you feel the Raiders' job could be? You know, that's a good question. I would say somewhat. It definitely depends on the candidate and also the front office, what their opinion of Derek Carr is. I wonder if they would be open to a change, depending on if the head coaching candidate came into the interview room um, with a great plan in terms of what he wanted to do at the quarterback position. But here's the thing. We've been talking about Derek Carr and his future seemingly every offseason. And I think yeah. this year he had a career-high 4,804 yards. He played some pretty gosh darn good football, right? And Hunter Renfro turned into one of the most uncoverable slot receivers. We know Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends. Josh Jacobs picked it up towards the end of the season. I think the new head coach is going to have a plan in place for him as well. So, you know, I was all – I understood why there was a lot of talk about Derek Carr in offseason's past. But after watching him this year, you know, I'll be, I'd be okay moving forward with him if I was the new head coach. Jordan DeJani, FCBS Sports, with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score number two on your list, you have the Denver Broncos. And there's there's certain ways where it feels like maybe the Broncos are are kind of the, the mountain time zone version of the Bears to a certain extent. It's like, yeah, you got that defense that's really competitive, and they just haven't been able to figure out quarterback through a few different iterations behind center right now. Why do you see the Broncos as the, the sort of second most enticing job opportunity? Yeah, that's a good comparison about the mountain time zone of the Bears. I mean, this offense has been gross to watch for years now. Uh, in fact, I'm writing a piece right now for CBSSports.com um, telling the Broncos basically are urging them to hire an offensive line, someone who's going to get in there and find a quarterback and get this offense going. Because when I look at this Broncos team, just from roster and just looking on paper, I think they could be one of the more talented teams in the NFL. You look at what they have on defense. You look at some of their weapons on offense. Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Font, Javante Williams, just to name a few. There's no reason this offense should be in the bottom half of the league when it comes to total yards accrued per game. Um, I think this Broncos team, of course, they definitely need a change under center, and that's the hardest thing to do in this NFL business. But once you have that in place, I truly do believe that this team is going to be ready to compete. Even though they reside in what I believe to be the toughest division in the NFL, this Broncos team has a ton of potential if they can find that quarterback. And if they, if they do, you better watch out. 
So you've got the Miami Dolphins at number three, and I'd like to sort of couple the, the first two examples that, that you've listed here with the, the Raiders at number one, the Broncos at number two. Getting to the Dolphins at three, this is the first one because I, you know folks here in Chicago, the word dysfunctional is getting thrown around a lot with the Bears. You know, a lot of folks are ticked off because the owner, George McCaskey, came at you know, Bears great old recruits and the team keeps losing and this and that and that. I don't necessarily see, personally, I don't see the Bears as dysfunctional. I, th- I see them as unsuccessful, and there's some things they need to correct with their, their process and everything. But the Dolphins, my impression is that the Dolphins are, are dysfunctional. I think that the Texans are dysfunctional. I'm not sure how I view the Dolphins in that regard, but it, they, they feel like a dysfunctional franchise, probably largely because they just fired a winning coach, and coaches haven't won in Miami lately, and they just fired a guy who was doing that. So I'm wondering, the, the Dolphins at number three, does that is, is my impression of, of their overall situation, the dysfunction that I feel like might be there, do you think that's inaccurate, and, and should that negate anything the way the Dolphins are perceived? No, I think you're fairly accurate. And I definitely struggled to see where I was going to place this Miami Dolphins team. And it's funny because if you told me a week or two ago, bringing up the word dysfunction, I don't know if I would have tabbed the Dolphins as that just yet. But with Mm. them firing Brian Flores and this reported power struggle between general manager Chris Greer, um, yeah, that kind of is a red flag. And in fact, in my article, I even brought it up saying, if I was interviewing with the Dolphins, I'm walking into that room with a list of questions that I want to ask about the, the situation and the reported dysfunction as well, because I think Brian Flores should be a head coach in the league. I don't think he should have been fired. But when you take a step back and look at this Dolphins team, this Dolphins roster as a whole, you know, this is a team that was on the doorstep of the playoffs over the past two years. Yes, you have a quarterback question mark with Tua Tagovailoa. He showed some improvement in year two, but you could argue Brian Flores definitely didn't have his back. He has some injury concerns, but then there's some other bright spots, right? We talk about the defense, some of their young players. We talk about Jalen Waddell, who just broke the rookie record for receptions in the season. There's some bright spots on this Dolphins team. You know, in terms of winning now or trying to get back to the postseason just in year one, if I was a head coach, the Dolphins have that potential. And you have the Chicago Bears at number four on your list, Jordan, Jordan DeJani. And I'm wondering where, if you look at the pros and cons, where do the Bears lack that, that some of the teams, the opportunities you rank ahead of them, and then where are they perhaps better? Sort of a, a pros and cons rundown of, of how you see the Bears job opening. Yeah, if we want to talk about some of the negative aspects about the Chicago Bears job, we could talk about the press conference that unfolded in Chicago <laughs> earlier this week. That certainly was pretty funny keeping up with the local journalists, uh, literally power ranking some of the embarrassing moments from that. But, but that aside, you know, the reason I like the Chicago Bears over teams like the Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants, and Jacksonville Jaguars is I'm a Justin Fields fan. You know, I think that he showed a lot of promise in year one. The stats may not back it up, but I think everyone who's watched any Bears game over the past year saw moments where he stepped up and he looked like he was a high-end guy who could uh, be a really good signal caller in this, in this league for years to come. Um, On top of that, going back to some of the negative facets of this job, there is some work to be done on the roster. There's certainly work to be done on the offensive line. Um, I don't believe you have a first-round draft pick either. And uh, the other thing is, you know, there just hasn't been a culture of success just over the past few years. So, you know, there's some warts just with the Bears job, just like there is every other job. But Justin Fields makes this job enticing to me. The the fact that there's both – not only the head coach is necessary, but the, the general manager as well. Does that, do you see that having a negative effect on the Bears going through this process? Does that make their process in the days, perhaps weeks to come, 
more difficult than, say, the Raiders, who right now are only looking for a coach. The, the Dolphins only looking for a coach versus Bears and Vikings, both looking for both positions, the, the head coach and the general manager. Do you see that needing both roles being something that makes the process and the, you know, the procedure they're going to go through more difficult? You know, that's a great question, and it would be a great one for a coaching candidate to see how they kind of weigh their options. And I'm sure that different candidates take different things in mind. You'd rather have a quarterback in place than the general manager who you'd be working in with one day or, or whatever roster control you may be negotiating with the front office. So, so to answer your question, I would say yes. I mean, it, having a blank slate is always very intriguing, uh, but at the same time, you want to know exactly who you're reporting to and what their vision um, of your team is going to be as well. And that some of the teams that are below Chicago at the moment, I already referenced that the Minnesota Vikings, it looked for a moment like maybe the Giants weren't going to move on from Joe Judge. They ended up doing so. So I guess if, you know, say, say Flores has a, a number of different opportunities and he's sort of going through his list of, of what makes some more enticing than others. We, we've referenced quarterback, you know, the cap space that, that you reference in your, your write-up about the Dolphins would certainly be something that's enticing. And I feel like the, the cap situation for the Jags is still going to be fairly strong as well. Just wondering, some of the teams that you see below the Bears, like Jacksonville and the New York Giants, what are some of the things that, that negate uh, what what may be what may make them enticing versus some of the teams above them? Yeah, Vikings fans were very uh, upset that I had them under the Chicago Bears, but I stand by <laughs> it. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, man, they're very strapped for cash entering 2022, and additionally, Kirk Cousins is entering the final year of his contract. He's due, I think, 35 million dollars just in base salary. So there's a possibility the Vikings could part ways with him, but you know, that's definitely coming in the future as well. So that's going to be down the line. That's not exactly a juncture I'm looking at as a head coach. I'd rather have Justin Fields than have to go through this situation all over again. And what I describe as the hardest part of being a general manager or coach is finding that effective quarterback. Um, Now you have some pieces to work with, you know, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin cook, no doubt about it. This is a team where if they get an effective head coach year one they could be on the on the doorstep of the postseason as well but in terms of the outlook moving forward into the future you know that's where you could make the argument you'd rather be in Chicago now for the New York Giants they're kind of interesting because the culture you talked about dysfunction uh, I certainly see that uh, with the New York Giants I mean the past couple of coaches they've had they've only given two years Uh, I'm going to walk into that interview wondering if I'm going to have any job security if I can't turn this around in year one year two I mean, we have a quarterback we're not 100% sure on just yet, and a lot of piece, a lot of parts of the roster need to be upgraded as well. So the New York Giants definitely ranks pretty low on my list. Now, you brought up the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is probably one of the most interesting parts of my article because you, there's a lot of different outlets around the country doing this, right, ranking head coaching openings. And if you look at them, all of them have the Jacksonville Jaguars in the top three, top four. I say no. I think they're in last place. Yes, you can tell me about cap space. Yes, you can tell me about Trevor Lawrence. You can talk about the number one overall pick. But the problems with this organization are much deeper than that. I think they need to be structured differently. The whole culture needs to change, right? I mean, just this past Sunday, they had to play in a circus and a clown out going on in Jacksonville. And that wasn't to make fun of Urban Meyer, the coach that's long gone. It was to make fun of the choices the organization makes. And the reported retaining of general manager Trent Baalke. Uh, That doesn't seem like an atmosphere or uh, a job or environment that I want to be a part of. And my whole point with the Jaguars is that the new head coach not only will have to rebuild the franchise on the field, he's going to have to do it off the field as well. 
There's a lot that will be unpacked throughout the offseason for the National Football League, but this cycle is going to churn, and it feels like maybe not this week, but when we get to next week, it's going to start churning, and jobs are going to be getting snatched up really quickly. So the Bears will hopefully be at least with the curve. Who knows? Maybe for a first they'll be ahead of it. Really appreciate your time, man. We appreciate the, the coverage, and we'll look forward to checking it out again, Jordan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. That's Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports. We'll take a time out and come back. Really appreciate Jordan's time there on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Worlds of the home of the world's largest sports book. We're going to transition to some baseball discussion here. John Lester announced his retirement earlier today. He joined uh, Matt Spiegel, Danny Parkins. He was on the Parkins and Spiegel show. But also negotiations beginning here between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. We'll talk some baseball with our guy Bruce Levine next on The Score. 